That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker What's up, jobbers, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, is Nestle Mini. Alongside for the ride is a man that is always very submissive, JC. I'm not submissive, but I did know that uh, Canada is part of North America, so Dom is their champion. Mm, that is true. Very true. we got a lot to talk about this week, folks. We've got a lot going on here. Um, I guess the only place we start, JC, is uh, in the shine. Yeah, always in the shine, uh, much like Mandy Rose. Uh it's becoming a theme, I think, is the first hour of Raw. The entire first hour I am putting in my shine. There are obviously two major themes, so we will split it into two separate discussions. But I'm referring to the Judgment Day stuff with J.D. McDonough as well as the IC title stuff. But we will start with the Judgment Day stuff, uh, Nestlemania, because, again, this group continues to, like they say, dominate Monday Night Raw, make appearances on NXT. So... They're everywhere, but this week they really leaned into the Finn Balor-JD McDonough relationship, and uh, Judgment Day obviously came out without Finn Balor. It was just Priest, Dom, and Rhea, and Priest took a little exception to Finn not being there, so out came JD McDonough to be his kind of messenger boy, and, you know, Rhea and Priest didn't really appreciate that, but what I loved about this is, like, we're getting more and more exposure to JD McDonough. They've kind of slow-played his call-up, and we've seen him here and there do some things. We've seen him be adjacent, and they've kind of made it clear his relationship with Finn. But this week, this was like the centerpiece of the show. This had a million gazillion segments, multiple matches like this. And to me, I, I loved it. As someone who's always really liked JD McDonough, because I think he's incredible. If you're not familiar with his work in NXT or NXT UK, like you miss some Boehner matches and some amazing heel work. He's he's really good. It's just the only thing working against him is he's not very big, so his upside is probably capped, but that doesn't mean he isn't going to have an incredible career because of the things he can do. You got a little taste of it here. I love this back and forth with these guys. He's a very good promo. Uh, the I mean, I, I alluded to it off the top, but Dom's heat this week was just so good. He's talking. You couldn't even hear what he was saying, but uh, you did hear him say the line of being like, I just found out that Canada is part of North America, which means I'm your champion. I just like, Shit like that will always pop me. That kid is just clicking on all levels. Uh, but, you know, it's just obviously then you get out the, the Sami Zayn stuff. We know Cody's facing Finn later in the mat, uh, the night. Sammy ended up wrestling JD. That was, I thought, a solid match. Sammy got the win. But your thoughts overall, WrestleMania, because this was the centerpiece of the show. I'm enjoying everything they're doing with Judgment Day, and I thought JD was a nice injection this week. Yeah, it definitely was something that needed to be picked up a little bit here because I feel like Judgment Day was not stalling, but it felt like we were kidding the same thing over and over and over again. I think we can all agree on that aspect of it. Uh, but there is something that I wanted to, to definitely talk about here, which was I we we all love we all love JD McDonough. We do, right? But my my thought is, is he gonna win over Dom and Rhea? Because he's already won over Finn. 
Like, is that going to happen here? Because what I was more concerned about was like, okay, technically he's being good to them. He's just like, all right, all right, like I'll stay out of your business. And then at the very end of Monday Night Raw, he saves Priest and almost like a, hey, like now you owe me one kind of thing. And he, if you notice at the end, he stayed at the outside of the ring while the other four were standing there tall at the end, mm-hmm. making it like, you know, a non-verbal thing for the crowd to realize like, okay, he's not technically with them, but he's with them. He was dressed in all black and all that stuff. So I am curious to see how this unfolds because I think he he's not a replacement for Priest. And we've talked about this because taking Priest out of the equation to me is a misstep, I think, because everybody's like, oh, he's a great baby face. Yeah, I guess. But his voice makes me think he's a heel. And I think he's very good with rise and like be a dick. Then he is maybe maybe a baby face, but maybe they have something up their sleeve that will work. But for me. I don't want to see, you know, Damian Priest on his own. I still don't. And I think I'd be curious to see what happens going forward. But if J.D. McDonough is the replacement for it, I don't necessarily love it. If he's the addition and there's five of them, cool. Like if him and Dom were a tag team, fine, whatever. You know what I mean? Or that, that That's cool. But I just, I, when they when they initially, I feel like they're going to evolution you know, do the fucking thumbs up, thumbs down, and then Priest is out kind of thing. I just, I'm not going to be a fan of that because to me, Finn Balor is a baby face, like a better baby face than anybody in that faction with the exception of Mimi Mommy. But that's it for me. I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about it because I feel like I'm I'm anticipating it being something I'm not going to enjoy. It's inevitable that I think Priest is out of the judgment day at some point and it's going to, and he's going to be on his own as a baby face. I think that's just inevitable. I think we had something we have to accept. And my guess is how they do it. You kind of alluded to the evolution thing. I could see that. But I think what it is is that it's going to be JD's going to keep kind of doing what he's doing, supporting Finn. And whenever this Finn and Damian Priest thing comes to a head, we know JD's going to side with Finn. It'll just be interesting to see do Dom and Rhea go with Finn and JD or do they take Priest side? My guess is that's where you'll get the turn and they'll all abandon Priest. It'll, like you said, it could be like the night after. Maybe they do a celebration for him becoming champion. And that might, you might not get the, exactly the thumbs up, but you could get something along those lines. But um, I do think it's inevitable. Replacement, I don't know if I'd use that word for Priest, but I think it's definitely like he's an addition to Judgment Day regardless. It might just be like Priest will be gone. And so it's not a replacement, but I think he is going to work his way into this group. So I guess technically you'd call it a replacement, but I don't think that's how it will be booked. Priest is a baby face. I'm not a fan of either. I agree. I just think it feels inevitable because I think for his star rise, like, you know, you do this as a heel. We see it all the time with the guy. It's how you do the test. Cause you never know. It's one of those things. Like the crowd sometimes gets attached to these guys and he could be someone that could be popular. He hits different types of markets that they like to hit on. So it's, it's something that I think they're going to try. It might not work. Again, I agree with you. I think he screams heel a lot more. That's why I love this group, the Judgment Day. But I just feel like it's inevitable at this point, unfortunately. And I am curious the way it plays out because, like you said, like we finally got a lot of storytelling this week after like a month of almost nothing. And I'm curious too because here's here and I, and I, and I you know, Danny's probably not even here tonight, and he's going to call. You didn't call you a size shamer because I would have seen it in the chat. Um, but there, really quickly, just the idea of like does Rhea Ripley become the enforcer because she's so fucking stacked that she can beat up anybody? Cause the other three are kind of just like dudes that are just like not as imposing or well, not as JD, threatening as a priest. 
he's not imposing or threatening, but like JD's gimmick is that he dissects and he like mutilates people. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of his thing. And so it just, it's one of those, like, it's not your typical type of enforcer, but you think of it, I guess you could call him more of like a torturer. Like he's the guy that you don't want to have to deal with. You know what I mean? It's, it's obviously a different thing, but it just like, it's, it's not going to be like your typical, like how it's set up now with priest being like the bigger guy. Cause I mean, it's the same thing we saw with evolution. Batista was the enforcer. Then they realized like, this is the money guy. This is the heavyweight champ. This is the next star. They probably see priest in that role. And I don't disagree with it. I just, I I'm high on priest, but not that type of high. If you know what I mean? In terms of like, I think he is a world champion material. I don't think he's a face of the franchise world, world champion material though. Okay. And our boy, the Joe Stopper says his Archer of infamy run was solid baby face work in NXT. It was I, don't, I don't disagree. He had some great matches in there with the uh, North American championship. I remember that I was thinking is like one of the war games. I just remember him having like a fucking banger. Um, but it's just, it's, it's hard. It, it really is hard. And you know, it's just, it's just difficult, but um, moving, do you want to move on to something else? Yeah. The, the, okay. Obviously Finn and Cody slapped. Love that uh, as well. Um, but the other part, which is probably actually I loved even more, and that was that the real world title on Monday Night Raw, and that's the Intercontinental Championship with Gunther. I love his promos on the announce table. I think it's a cool look. I love they've done it a couple times now. We obviously get the alphas interrupting. Maxine and Gable both looking like snacks, so it just looked like a big snack. And, you know, it just so they get all this, the going back and forth, and then it obviously led into Ludwig trying to riz up Maxine a little bit. You know, I'm a sucker for that. I mean, two beautiful people. It just gets me all excited. We get the nice little slap, which everyone in wrestling loves a slap. Obviously set up a match with Gable and Vinci. That's where we're heading. Gunther eventually challenged Otis as well. So there was a lot of stuff going on here, but I just love that this feud, which feels special, and Gunther and Gable is getting a lot of time in treatment it makes that title feel important it makes them feel important but what i really loved about this segment was it wasn't just about those two guys it was about the entire group like ludwig has gotten a chance to really shine and show how much of a star he is Vinci got to show what he's best at and that's in the rain uh obviously as a promo he's like a doorknob which i love the guy but i mean he's a he's an in-ring guy only pretty much but maxine got her thing otis got her thing everyone involved in the segment got some shine and i think that's important because like when you have groups, it's important to elevate everyone and everyone here got a chance to shine. There's a lot of moving parts as part of this. The match obviously is scheduled for next week. I'm sure we'll get some schmas, but I just thought this was fun. I thought the first hour of Raw was incredibly entertaining. I thought it was good wrestling. Imperium has leveled up in terms of sports entertainment stuff. I was talking with the, the boys, Dom and Ray and stuff, and you in the thread about that, that I really do think that they've leveled up. And Imperium, like Gunther's proven that he can be a top-of-the-card guy. I think Ludwig's proven he can do it all, and we know Vinci can go in the ring. So I just thought this was masterful first hour of Raw, and this was probably my favorite part all week. I will say up up until a certain point, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure. Uh, it was a great Ross from the first hour in general. Most of it really was. Um, Vinci and Gable, of course, decent, hard-hitting stuff. And again, like you said, I, I tweeted this out on the Jabberknocker account, but it's bears repeating here, I think, for the people that did don't follow us or, or just didn't see it. Um, the idea of him on the stage, or sorry, on top of the commentary table and and, and doing these promos, adds to the presentation of him adds to the presentation of this mountainous overcoming this giant of a man who just continues to slaughter everybody in his path. And I think that's important because the visual of him being higher than everybody else, as well as being kind of like this, like just dictator almost when he's talking is great. And the fact, and, and here's the other thing too, like 
I don't, I mean, I like Otis. I do. I think Otis is very entertaining and I think he's the E in the WWE. You know, there's some people who wrestle. There's some people that entertain, some people that do both. Very much Otis is an entertainer. But when I watched the way that Gunther talked about Otis, I went, this is a layup. Like it is the exact opposite of what they like. Like Gable's, it, it, Gable could almost fall into the category of being part of Imperium because he's that good of a wrestler. And I could even add an additional hope here and say that like, maybe he loses a loser has to be part of Imperium match. And that'd be kind of interesting too, just to see it. But I, I, just because he's so good in the ring, but Otis being the fucking hip shaking, swiveling his dick at him shit. Like I just, I started dying. Cause I was like, look at this fucking, you know, like he just started screaming at him. And I'm like, this is so easy and so easy to entertain me. And like we've talked about before, not everything has to be a home run. Not everything has to be an A story, but when you get that kind of stuff, you remember, oh yeah, shit, like they have to fill three hours and some of it's garbage, let's be honest. But this was a full solid hour of just great wrestling, great entertainment. And then when he fucking shaked his dick at fucking Maxine, you know, Ludwig, I was just like, this fucking guy. I love like, him so like much. He, is, he just like, not even oozes charisma. It's just oh. more of like, it's like a je ne sais quoi. You can't really explain He is it. charisma. Like, yeah, it's just like, it's just like, that's the dude that you have to worry about with your girl. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what it is. And I don't think Maxine will join Imperium at all because no. I don't think it makes sense. But the idea of him trying to just be that suave human being is great. Cause I, you know, like Bruce Pritchard always said in his podcast and it, it's something that like, I guess we're out of now. And I, I don't think people would agree with this anymore, but like Vince and, and Bruce used to say, who's fucking like, like they used to think of like, there needs to be some type of romantic angle in wrestling every once in a while. And they haven't done it. So like this might be the closest thing we can get to an iteration now because you know women are you know presented in a different light now and they're not necessarily arm candy or you know or sexualized as much as they normally were back in the day. So it's it, this is probably as far as we're going to get and it's fun. I think Ludwig is very tasteful in what he does. It's he's not, a good way you know, to get heat. It's a different way yeah. to get heat on him. Yeah. And he's obviously, like you said, like he's got that European suave to him. And just, I, he's a guy that like the minute I at first saw him in NXT UK, he caught my attention because he has like the coiffed hair. He, he has a very distinct look. And then I heard him talk. I'm like, this guy's got something there. He's got something there. And obviously he's been part of the group, but he, we obviously know in rain is athleticism, whatever he's not, uh, he's dating Tiffany Stratton. So he does okay for himself there, but it's just like, it's, it works and it just it's I'm glad like a guy like him has gotten shine because again, I think it just makes the Imperium better, it makes Gunther better. And same thing with the Alphas. It's like by having Otis get in there with Gunther, I think it it just elevates everything. And this first hour was perfect. The rest of Raw, you know, had some decent stuff. Like I said, I enjoyed the main event, but nothing compared to what this first hour was because I think I think you tweeted it and I said it like when I was watching, and this is when I stopped watching live was you fucking come back after this amazing first hour and you go to a fucking recap. So that that's kind of where my shine ends there in yeah. terms of raw. I had a screeching halt gif is what it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just it was immediately I just turned it off and I'm like, well, I'll watch something else for a bit and I'll come back later so I can yeah. fast forward. Yeah, I can't watch I can't watch Raw or SmackDown live. It just doesn't doesn't sit with me very well. Um moving on to something that I I just want to say I thought was great because we shit on it so much last week. For me, when I was watching on SmackDown, when they started the show off with Charlotte and Asuka, I was watching this match and I went, what the fuck am I watching? This is amazing. And then, of course, it fucking ruined it into a fucking, you know, double DQ and nonsense got thrown out. And I, all I could think about was that was incredible. If, and, and there are so many matches that we talk about on this program 
where if it wasn't ended in a countout, wasn't ended in a disqualification or some fucking chicanery, like there are so many matches like that where it's just like that could have been a match of the year candidate on television. And I was I was into that match and I just went, holy shit. Like when those two are on, they're fine. They're absolutely fine. Which made me wonder, is Bianca Belair the bad part of the recipe? In no, that no, 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 I it can't be. It was a triple threat. Because again, Charlotte and Asuka have had Baners. Bianca and Asuka have had Baners. Bianca and Charlotte, like I'm sure they will have a Baner someday. It's just like it's it's you get into that triple threat thing, and it's like you have too many moving parts and extra. Like it was a disaster, but like and there was no doubt in my mind when I saw the shows kick off these two. I'm like, this is gonna be a good wrestling match. We've seen it before. We've seen it at big shows. We've seen. I mean, think we've seen this match like five or six times at this point. Yeah. These two have feuded a lot, so it's like they've worked together a lot. We know that Oscar's one of the people Charlotte respects more than anything, so there won't ever be any sandbagging in a one-on-one match with her. So yeah, and I mean, obviously, we knew the damage control thing was coming. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting how they book this SmackDown Women's Division. It felt like this week they just kind of kicked the can down the road, which you know we'll get to that with a lot of the women's storyline stuff, but. It just, I am curious how this evolves and what pieces go where and who's in the title picture and who isn't because they do, they have, they have some horses on SmackDown to work with and I'm curious what they do with it. I just think it's bizarre to me because all I can think about is like, and I, this isn't probably a fair assessment, but it feels lopsided in terms of like SmackDown definitely has more high quality women who you can see as champion. And Raw is in this weird influx of like, I don't know what we're doing with our tag titles, let alone what we're doing with Rhea Ripley. And it just seems kind of like we're holding off on Raquel. So it just feels like the women's division in general on both shows is this just weird thing. And for the longest time, it was one of the most enjoyable things to watch. And now I'm kind of sitting there as a fan going like, what the fuck am I watching? So it's just, and again, I don't know any better. I just, it, it's, it's a, it's a feeling that I get when I'm watching it. Like, what is this anymore? And it, it just, it does bother me, but those two women went out of their way on Monday, even though it wasn't, like I said, a double count out or double DQ, whatever. That was incredible. And I want more of that shit. I want, I don't want no fucking, you know, stupid shit, you know, you know, messy Gaga at the end, but I'd like a definitive match. Cause that would have been awesome. But we get to a point where all these women need to win and all these women need to lose. And they don't want to let anybody lose on TV anymore. It's bizarre. Yeah, I know it's tough because Oscar needed one there, but did Charlotte doesn't take else. So what were yeah. you gonna do? But it's typical WWE booking. But for me, <laughs> WrestleMania, the highlight of SmackDown, it's one man. It's L A Knight, and this week he had a banner of a job alert with Huhada, the top dollar, and WrestleMania. I mean, I enjoy both of them for very, very, very different reasons. But the star of this match in this segment, as it always is in any hit row segment, was Michael Cole. It is one of the times <laughs> where I actually look forward to the commentary because Michael Cole is just all over Top Dollar every time he's on TV, just shitting on him. And it's great because Top Dollar chirps about it on Twitter. It's a fun little like Z-list thing going on there, like when a commentator gets involved with someone and the talent plays into it. And it's why like I appreciate Hit Row for what they are and why they work in segments like this. Oh, yeah, let's get LA Knight some quick shine, a quick win, make it entertaining. And you know what? For the people watching at home, Michael Cole just brings it to the next level. It's just like it's something It was short. It was sweet. It did what it had to do. It uh, got LA Knight his big, easy dub, but it got us some entertainment on the side. And Michael Cole, man, there's a reason why he's the voice of both, both shows, man, because he just gets it. Do you think it's a little bit odd? Because we haven't really talked about this. I mean, we didn't really have a chance to talk about it in the thread. But Michael Cole is more of a, a, a color commentator on SmackDown now. And then he is like 
He's letting Kate well, they did. like do it. It was a more it was more hosty because like Michael Cole still calls because my biggest issue with Kevin Patrick on Raw's primary play by play is he doesn't know how to call moves. Like he doesn't know how to call a match. Like he doesn't know what he's watching. It sounds like it's like the yeah, suplex happens and he doesn't he like it does you know what I mean? Like yeah. Graves was bailing out a lot. So but in terms of like the hosting and stuff and going to break and going to segments, KP was doing that. But again, that's kind of what KP is. He's more of a host than a play-by-play guy. So I did like that it was a little more nuanced because obviously Raw's the more standard. Cole and Wade Barrett, play-by-play, color commentary, very straightforward. But SmackDown, like you said, I have noticed it is more of a hybrid where Michael Cole does – like Kevin Patrick chips in during the matches, but Michael Cole is there, I think, to do it. But KP is act like kind of like a host. Like when they score it up, he's in the middle. He's tossing to the stupid bloodline package or whatever it is. But I don't mind it because I think Michael Cole bails Kevin Patrick out of all the parts he's weak at. Do I think Kevin Patrick needs to be part of that commentary team? Absolutely not. But again, he's a Triple H guy. They like him with Graves. They So they're going to give him a shot. It's just a little odd to me, but whatever. Um, anything else you got that's very uh, exciting before we get heady? I mean, you know, new champions is always exciting. I'm curious your take on it because obviously, like, we have a new U.S. champion. It's Rey Mysterio because Austin Theory took out Santos, not one, not twice. And the reason why I kind of like this is because I'm kind of looking to the future. Like, I really love Santo, Santos Escobar in NXT. And I remember watching it being like, this guy could be that Latin star that they're looking for. Like he really, like he's really, really good. His promos, I would watch them. And I, every time I watched him talk in NXT, I was like, I didn't, I always forget how good he is on the mic. And obviously in the rain, we know like it's pretty elite. Like he can do it all size again, issue with him, whatever. But his main roster run, I really haven't enjoyed because he's just like a typical milky white baby face. It's two dimensional. There's nothing three to do his character. He just kind of like raised a mysterious sidekick took a lot of L's. He's obviously got a lot of the shine recently, but I kind of like how they did this here by having Ray win the title, because I think he's more deserving of being a champion. Now they had to move on from the theory thing. Cause they clearly had no plans with it, but what I love what it set up. Cause obviously we know Santos is happy for Ray, but it puts that in your mind. Like, all right, how does Santos get jealous of this? And I believe Grayson Waller was teasing it on SmackDown this week. He's already, he's going to be all over Ray. Cause I think he's the guest in the Grayson Waller effect. So they could kind of set up a little bit of the Santos start to get jealous. And what that means to me is that we might be getting that heel Santos, which is what I want. So I'm sure they'll milk the LWO thing for a little while longer, but I just, I, I can't wait for the day where Santos turns on him because I heal Santos against a baby face or Mysterio. That's a feud I want to see. I don't disagree, and that's where my head went as well. The other thing I want to talk about very quickly, and again, we're probably on the same page about this, but I think I'd be curious what people think in the chat as well as people listening. So I saw somebody write this on Twitter, and it made me really think about this. So let's think about this, right? Like Austin Theory was a hand-picked guy from Vince McMahon. He became the you know youngest United States champion, the money in the bank, you know, f- just terrible fucking shit. Then it felt like he was DOA, and then they gave him the championship back in that amazing triple threat match where he kind of won by a fluke. He had done pretty good work, and then he got the fucking rocket strapped to him. He beats John Cena at WrestleMania. That's a huge headline for him to use to you know kind of catapult himself. He doesn't really do anything from WrestleMania all the way to when he loses it this week. And somebody put out, does that negate? everything that Austin theory did, especially the John Cena victory. And I, I was thinking, no, no, but the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, 
it it bears it bears repeating that John Cena kind of was right that like he didn't really live up to his expectation here. It's not his fault though. That's my thing is they literally have not booked him in a feud. Like he's on SmackDown, but it's like they literally the problem with SmackDown. Obviously, there's an hour less, but an hour of the show is Bloodline and Bloodline recaps. They have to have something for the woman. They've been really doing the LWO thing strong, so it's like. If you're running out of, out of time real quick, plus you got the new people like Grayson Waller are demanding time when Edge is around. He's getting 20-minute segments. The Brawling Brutes, they try to feature a lot. So it just comes down to a numbers game. And, like, it just it's, – it's, it's with SmackDown being so bloodline dominated, it takes away from something like Theory. Like, he literally hasn't had a feud. And the negate thing's so silly because in six months, he's the fucking a champ, the world heavyweight champion. You're going to look back and laugh at this conversation because it just – it's one of those things you can look at anybody's wrestling career and be like, wow, this guy had this amazing run here. Then he had six months where he kind of didn't do anything. It's like if if theory just being a champion and still being like when he's on TV, still being a steady, decent character is his lull. I think the kid's going to be just fine. Do I love that they had nothing for him after the scene? I think absolutely not. They could have capitalized a lot more, but him going to SmackDown turned out to be the worst thing for him. Cause I was excited. Like, Oh man, we can have like a U.S. title feud with like AJ here. Uh, it's obviously this LA Knight. There's Santos. I'm like, it, there's there's babyface for him to work with. And then it just it never happened. He just I think he's fought Rey Mysterio a bunch of times for the title, and that's really been about it. So again, I don't think it's his fault. It's one of those things. Like I think Theory's talent's gonna be fine. He's got a long career ahead of him. It's just one of those things. Like the opportunities just aren't as plentiful right now without Vince. It's just like it's going to other people, but. When they call upon him, that kid will be ready and he'll deliver. So I'm not worried about him one bit. Do you think that going back and putting him in the way would be helpful? I mean, I love the way, but theory as a baby face is a tough sell. Uh, and here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. He played a different character in the way, though, that I think here's. Yeah, here's, he played a moron. Here's, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. I think that was more closer to what he really is. Like, I'm not saying he's a moron. I'm saying he's a goofball. Like. I think that was he is a goofball, but I think you find a way to do it. Like he's evolved into a different, you know what I mean? No, I know. But the thing is it, it, for me, it's like Austin theory has an incredible future ahead of him. He's clearly like 24 or whatever. It's a, insane. The amount of stuff he can do. Uh, but when I watched him in the way I, I didn't give a shit about him when he was doing the pandemic shit or, or, or any before any, anything like, you know, you hear all these great things about him. And then, then when he got in the way and, and he started dressing up like Dexter and the whole fucking thing, like, I just thought he was so fucking entertaining. To me, that was as close. And then they brought him in with the selfie thing, and that was kind of what he was doing. Then they dropped the selfie gimmick. He made a more serious wrestler, dude, number five. And then all I could think about was, why can't we make this guy, like, he's, he's not on the same elk right now and probably may never be. But Kurt Angle is the best example of, not taking yourself so seriously, but then flitzing the switch and just being a fucking killer. And I feel like Austin Theory has the ability to be goofy, fucking hilariously goofy, and probably very entertaining. And then being able to, to switch it to being like, no, nah, motherfucker, I'm going to beat you too while I'm at it. So there's got to be something there. I, 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 I just feel like that poor kid is in a real bad spot on SmackDown. I really do. Yeah, Smack, SmackDown is the opposite of the land of opportunity. Is the land of the tribal cuck gets an hour, whether he's there or not, because they'll do a fucking hour recap if they have to. They'll milk that, and they just 
the 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 space for the mid card and the upper mid card especially. It's not. I mean, AJ Styles and Karrion Cross go weeks not being on TV, and then they show up. Like that's how it was with LA Knight for a while. He wasn't even on TV most weeks. Now he's just he's become undeniable. He has to be on every week. So there's another guaranteed segment. So it's just like he's in a tough spot. I think with a guy like Rey Mysterio having the U.S. title is probably better for that title. That's why I like the title change because. Theory, it just wasn't. They just, it was, unless if he feuded with LA Knight, it just, he wasn't going to be on TV consistently. So I don't know. It's a tough spot. Uh, it just, it's SmackDown's in a weird, weird place, man. It really is because it just, and that's why the show for me has been probably my least favorite WWE show this year because it's inconsistent week to week. But it's also like there's not a lot of growth from other people. Like, believe me, I'm thrilled as someone who loves Grayson Waller. He deserves a TV time every week and I'm glad he gets it. But like, Anytime stuff like that happens, it comes at a cost. And Theory's been one of those guys. I mean, let's talk about, obviously, Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits is starting to pick up, but Bobby Lashley has been non-existent. This was a guy that has been on top of your company for a couple of years now, That and you saw his reaction when he was in front of the crowd. People love this man. They didn't have time for him on SmackDown for about five months. So it's just, it's, it's the opposite of the land of opportunity right now, which is a damn shame. Your boy Ben is here. Feed Theory to LA Knight. Tired of him beating up Hit Row jobbers. Well, look, you know... You could feed him, but uh, at this point, I think they're just going to keep milking L.A. Knight until it's all He's with gone. the Miz now, baby. Yeah. He got that feud. Um, anything else that's very shine-worthy for you? No. Really? Okay. Well, right. you. I got nothing. No, I'm just uh, – I'm just. usually you're more positive than this. All right, let's I get heated. I am positive, but I was positive about the stuff that was good. All right, let's go right to the news. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. First off, what the fuck is a dude drop tag team title doing right now? Oh, my God. Her name is Piper Niven now, Adam. Well, all I'm saying is that as much as I'm a Piper fan, all I could think about was we didn't get Chelsea's Got Talent. And to me, yeah. that was an Missed easy, opportunity. easy way to put it on social. Easy way to milk it and just... Let her fucking keep doing random shit. Let her try out tag team partners and fail miserably without having to lose a tag team titles. Just shit like that. When you just walk in and grab a championship, all I could think about was, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are we doing? You, We've talked about this over and over again. It's cursed. It's People are injured. It just doesn't fucking pick up. Mercedes was right. All all the fucking check bar, you know, boxes. But Jesus Christ, when I saw a dude drop, I went, why? Like. I, in my head, I went, you've got, like you said last week, you've got the, the voodoo bitches, you got Indy and, and Candice, you got the fucking Katana Chance thing, you got them all. Like, there, there's three tag teams right there, right fucking there. And then you can throw in your Natalia's or Raquel's and your nonsensical tag teams. Fine. But God damn it, when I saw Dewdrop, I went like, this, this reminded me so much of Edge and Jericho, and then Edge gets hurt, and we got Jericho. Now, that worked, but I don't think Dewdrop and Chelsea are going to work. Chelsea's going to make something out of it. I know she will because she's fantastic. She's a rock star. But Piper is, when I looked at it, I said, visually, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, See, it, like, to me, look, to me, visually, it makes sense because you have the sniveling shit heel and then the enforcer. Like that's that's a tag team if I've ever seen one. But do I love the way they did it? No. But I will say this: they teased this pairing like months ago. Like you remember when Chelsea would complain about things, Piper would come in and like be there, and like they kind of. So it was like one of those things. Like, and they just ended up going the Chelsea and Sony route because I think they liked it worked with the complainers. But I think it was one of those things. Like it felt like Piper Niven was the runner up to be because I think they knew they're like. 
We need Chelsea in a tag team. She's really good. I think she'll be good for those titles. She'll be a good opponent for those titles. We just got to find her the partner. And I think it was like it came down to Piper and Sony. And the Sony thing just worked. So that's why they did it. Because like their characters, it just matched. It worked with Adam Pierce. But yeah, no, I never love. I think they really could. They did. We had 24 hours of Chelsea Got Talent on Twitter. And some of the people saying things were hilarious. Kathy Kelly was getting in on it and all that. It was just, it was, it could have been a lot of fun. So to just like. To kind of blow the load with it this week is why this is heat. I agree. If they would have got here, if we get a week of Chelsea's Got Talent where they do some stuff on Raw, she shows up on NXT and SmackDown, maybe does some stuff, like fun stuff in the women's locker room, maybe kind of mixes it up with women's from all the brand. And then next week on Raw, like Pierce is like, look at Chelsea, like I got to strip those titles. Like you don't have a partner, like whatever, the deadline. And that's when Piper walks in and whatever. That would have been fine with me, but I agree with you. I think they completely rushed this. I'm, I do think the end result could work. Um, I'm very hot and cold on Piper Niven because I think there are a lot of things she does well, um, and I don't mind the idea of this tag team. I'm just I'm not so sure they're going to execute it properly, but I think visually it could work because, like I said, you got Chelsea who just like you know she's just like the sniveling shit typical heel who complains, and then you have the big enforcer Piper who's going to do all the work, and then eventually will lead to a turn uh, someday, but. I just, I don't know. I have a feeling with the way that they rushed it that they might just have them like lose an hour. So I don't know. It just, I don't have good vibes from it because of the way they did it this week, but I think it could have been a lot better and cooler. I'm just, I, I, I'm such a big fan of Chelsea and I want to see her succeed and get her moment. I'm sure she will. And she's already kind of got it, but she deserves more. I, like I said, Piper is good. I don't have a problem with her per se. I just think that like even like it, it, not that this is a pairing that I want, but when I saw Cora Jade's leaving NXT, I went like, there is an influx of people in NXT that she could pick from. Not that Chelsea's going to be a leader of a women's faction or anything, which would be cool, I guess, in in a funny way. But like I could, I can see Chelsea growing into a role of being a leader in terms of like maybe a Survivor Series team or like doing something weird like that. Like I. I just think she's got a lot of upside with it. And I, and I just think even Graves got into it on the After the Bell podcast. He was saying, like, he's like, I would be your Simon Cowell judge. I would love to do that. And, like, there's so much you can do, especially where you're not so sure with what's going on right now. Get your ducks in a row with the rest of your tag division. Buy yourself some time doing these Chelsea's Got Talent. And then, okay, we're off to the races. We know Chelsea's got a fucking partner now. And then now you've you've set up you know people to knock down. I'm fine with that. But if we're gonna have the voodoo people lose, we're gonna have you know the 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 party girls lose, and then you know Indy and and Candace lose. It's just like okay, there's your fucking three people over and over and over again. And then Liv might come back and lose to Raquel. Uh, Raquel and, and her will lose. I don't know. It's just I just feel like I'm not interested in those women's tag titles unless this unless you know Sonya and her were gonna get a chance. So. Yeah, no, it's we'll see what they do. I mean, I like that they at least teased it with Caden and Katana, and I think we'll get more teases. But I just it's it at least like is nice that they're still getting TV time. And I like we said, Chelsea is is the key to that machine. But WrestleMania, the next parts of the heat I'd like to go to, and we're going to get to the big one, uh, the name of the title. But other like small notes here is because this kind of got me thinking. There were some assassinations this week, one on Raw and one in SmackDown. A lot of people thought last week was the assassination of the Viking Raiders, but. No, I think it was this week because this team just comes out and loses to someone new every week. You can fucking stick a fork in them. They lost to the fucking dipshit brothers there. Oh, my God. And then uh, and then I go to SmackDown, and 
You know what? It's, we finally get our AJ for Cro- versus Cross match in WrestleMania. What would you say is the coolest part of Karrion Cross? His, his entrance. entrance. Guess what they cut off and didn't give us? His entrance. He's already almost at the ring when we come back from break. And sometimes when they do that, the person wins and they get their son played. No, 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 no. He got phenomenally fucking beaten up. So Karrion Cross, stick a fork in him, fucking bury him in the dirt. That fucking dude is done. See ya. So carrying cross and the Viking Raiders pour one out. Cause I mean, they just, they're just, they are what they are. They're going to job to stars. So is what it is. Sorry, Guthrie. I know you have hope for carrying cross, but that motherfucker's not doing anything anytime soon. And the Viking Raiders clearly are not doing anything anytime soon. You know what bothered me too was when I was watching SmackDown, I was like, wow, they had a package before carrying cross and AJ. It was Styles. a cool package. That was amazing. And yeah. all I kept thinking was where the fuck has this been the whole time? Cause I was like, the way they shot it, the way they put the editing together, I was like, this is a this is a star presentation. And then they fucking let out a wet fart. And I was just like, and then it's like the fucking the poor timed botch. And then the it just fell apart. And I just went. Fate intervened. Fate intervened and said, Karrion Cross, you are not a star in the WWE. That's what it was. And AJ Styles, unfortunately, is in this fucking vortex of just part time nonsense. I'm done with like AJ Styles has become a fast forward for me because he's part of the club. That's the part that's 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 the rub of the club there. And then you've got the lack of rub from the, the club. The lack like of the it. rub for the club. And then you get the fucking poor Karrion Cross who's just trying to fucking get by. And I just I can't do it. I I I cannot do it. And it it got my hopes up with that package. It really fucking did. And poor I was out. so angry. Poor We're gonna have a moment of silence. For Karen Cross and the Viking Raiders. It's been nice knowing you. Uh, but Nestlemania, I mean, it's the name of the show. So I feel like we got to get it here. Um, we clearly didn't bring it up in the shine. So I, I'll just come out and say it. I thought Jimmy Uso's reasoning was fucking stupid. It was weak, just like I figured it would be. Um, the, the highlight of this segment for me was Roman calling him Jim. Uh, and not Jimmy, because I love it. It was just like when Miro <laughs> called Robert Rude Bob. Like, I love that. When he says, Jim, that was the best part of the segment. After that, it was all downhill. Um, obviously long story short, Jay didn't appreciate Vin, uh, Jimmy's reasoning. Like I did, he attacked him. He beat up Roman. Then as he walked out, he's, uh, he's quitting the bloodline. He's quitting SmackDown and he's quitting WWE. So, I mean, that usually leads to a cool return when a guy gets quit or fired. So hopefully they let this kind of breathe a little bit, but man, I just, I don't know. It's one of those things. Like I've joked that the bloodline shit has left the dolphin, but I mean, it might have leapt 12 Dolphins this week because I am so far out, they're going to have to do a lot to get me back in. And we uh, you know, can speculate when Roman Reigns will return. When's Saudi? <laughs> yeah, October, November. When's that big payday for yeah, his, exactly. so he can afford his island? Yeah, and I, it's hard because I was listening to Eric Bischoff's podcast and he had shit all over SummerSlam, basically saying like... We kind of did too. No, I know, but he made a great point in that he goes... So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here because he's like, if, if you're looking at it from the baseball analogy of the third inning, bottom of the third, he's like, of course there could be an error. Of course there could be a terrible play, but that doesn't mean the fucking game's, you know, thrown out and terrible. It's just that inning is terrible. So don't don't get terribly attached to just this. You're souring on it right now in the moment, but it's a blip in the radar of the longer piece of the puzzle. I've been pretty but, sour since WrestleMania, though. 
Well, that's because slowly it's been a slowly decline because it was one of those things. I was like, okay, Roman's still really good. I really do want to see how this Usos thing plays out because I love the Usos. And I was like, okay, there were like little like things that went up here and there, but for the most part, we've been just falling down the hill. And I'm hoping that now, like, I'm hoping we're at the bottom of the hill so we can start climbing again uh, towards you know Roman's inevitable fall. But it's just like that. This I don't think they did justice for Jay Uso in this feud. I don't think I think they made Jimmy Uso look like a fucking moron. And I mean, with Roman, it's just more of the same. He gets out of it cheap ways, but that's how it has been his entire title reign. So it's hard because all I can think about is I I really wanted it to work, but I I can't make excuses for it. I just can't. I I don't think it's humanly possible to make an excuse for it. Like I get I didn't want you to turn into it, but it's like I get like I didn't want you to be travel chief. I didn't want that power to corrupt you. I, I understand part of it, but it feels like sometimes lately that they're just coasting on their laurels. They're not necessarily creating something that's and none of none of it can all be home runs. We understand that. I, I'm willing to I'm willing to forgive that portion of it. But <laughs> Joe's coming up. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, I'm hoping for a rain out at this point. Jesus. <laughs> I love it. Hey, if we're past the, if we're into the sixth inning, then we can call it. Game's over. Right? It's not little league rules, right? Where you had a slaughter rule and just be done with it. Uh, no, but it, it's hard. It, it definitely is hard to keep. Like you know, it's been three years, right? So it's it's hard to keep this going. It is. Um, if we're another three years or six years or down the line, I'm gonna lose it. But uh, I mean, that's why it's the example of like why I said at WrestleMania, it feels like that TV show that had the perfect ending. And it was the Breaking Bad. It ended when it was supposed to, but they're like, you know what? This is so good. We make so much money off it. The fans love it so much. People are going to watch it. So we're just going to keep doing it. And by doing that, you just dilute it and it, you don't get as good of a product, which again, it happens all the time. There's a demand for it, like whatever. Like again, Roman and the Usos are amazing, but it's just like, it was, they had the perfect moment and they passed on it. They'll still have a good moment whenever it ends. It's going to be an awesome moment, but it's not going to be what it could have been. And, and in between, it's just kind of like, it kind of dilutes all the greatness that they had. And that was always my point at the time. And it's kind of played out that way. So I know you're butthurt about the Cody not winning at 39. It's but... not even butthurt. I laid out my thing at that point. You always try to say this. It's just like they had the perfect ending. They didn't go for it. So, but, but by finances and the, the fiscal things they've shown that they made the right decision with Roman Reigns, apparently is what they're saying. They so. would, they'd be making the same amount of money, if not more. It wouldn't, it literally doesn't matter. It's like that stuff. Of course, they're going to be like, they, you know, and I said this to you uh, privately in the chat. I'm like, you know who has to tell, like, sell themselves on things like that? People that know that they fucked up or unsure about their decision. If they have to reassure themselves publicly. It's like when you have to be like, I'm funny, damn it. If you're telling me you're funny, that means you ain't funny, bud. It's the same fucking thing. If WWE has to tell us that, oh, yeah, you know, we feel like we made the right decision because of this. It's like, you know, people who know they made the right decision, they don't say shit because they knew it was the right decision. But the people who do, they have to reassure themselves. So even if there are some people who believe that, there's more that don't. They, it, it, it's, it was whatever. It's again, Triple H said it perfectly. That summed it up after WrestleMania. He's like, look it, there is no end for WWE. We have more shows this week. It's a never ending series. So we need to have things to keep going. And by effect, you don't always get perfect endings to stories because if they can milk more stuff out of that cow, they're going to run that motherfucker dry until it can barely fucking move. And that's what they're doing with the storyline. And again, I don't blame them for it. It just is disappointing. And it's unfortunate because 
I again, I love I love the Usos, and I thought Jay deserved more here, and I don't think he got it. Typical JC throwing in a nestle burn right in the middle of his argument. Love it. I mean, that's the only way I can get your attention sometimes, you know. Uh, you didn't have make to, it all about you, baby. You didn't have to throw it in there, but there you went. You right into it. Whatever. Fuck it. Whatever. It's fine. I'll, I know. I know how everybody feels about my jokes. That's okay. I think I'm. 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 Uh, I know when I'm not wanted. Um. Anyway, something else. I, that, gonna, well, I thought you were about to say. I think I'm funny. No. I'm. No. No. I'm going to take your advice and not. Not. Not say anything. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a dick. Uh, so I'm going to say this is something that clearly I'm not interested in at all. It is Seamus and Edge. I mean, I like the idea of it, it of it being like this full circle moment for them. But and I know that everybody's going to shit on me when I say this. But when Edge comes out, it's like he reads a goddamn Thethoris and he just keeps fucking talking. A what? A Thethoris. OK, I did it like that. Why? Why? I just wanted to make sure you did that on purpose. Yeah, of course. Okay. I thought it was funny. Anyway, um, he just, he keeps talking and it's just, it's so long to get to the fucking point and then they go to the graphic and then another fucking humorous graphic and then, the, you know, all this shit and it's like, uh, like, I, I understand he's probably going to hang it up on Friday and if that does, what a fucking career and what a great job he's done. He ended his own way, but God damn it. Like, what the fuck? What the flying fuck are we dealing with here? I just, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a fucking match. It's just a way for him to end. And a lot of people are calling for him to win the championship. A lot of people are like, no, please, God, no. Let's just be over with it. Let's just be done with it. Let's get it out of my way. Let's just get it out of my way. Every, and I love Edge. He's created so many wonderful moments for me as a child. And I adore him. But there's something about this run that I'm just fatigued by fatigued by i'm not as extreme as you um in that because i i like the way this segment started and i'm always someone who appreciates like history between two individuals in the realism of seamus and edge's relationship and i remember way back when edge originally came back he like pointed out several times that he might not have been here without seamus because he literally came to his house and lived with him and got him ready so i love that they brought that full circle it was absolutely wild to hear that they've never wrestled uh, in their career, which I guess Sheamus was mostly starting when Edge was on the back end anyways, and I just haven't met up since he come back. So, again, I am all for the match. I am excited for the match. I appreciate it. But, I mean, I can't disagree with you about the length of the segment because it was just I – got, I got a little fatigued by them stroking each other off for fucking 20 minutes. And, again, this is the issue with SmackDown. It's one of those things It's like – it's like you let – it feels kind of like AEW a little bit where they let the talent book you like, oh, Roman – you think you need uh, an hour, 15 minutes tonight? You can have it. Oh, Edge, do whatever you want. You want to take up 40 minutes of the show? Do it. Fuck everyone else. We'll give, uh, you know, uh, 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 this week we'll just cut We'll just cut all these things and just whatever. You go out there. And that that was my biggest issue with this. It was just way too fucking long. But again, like you said, that's the issue with Edge. But I do appreciate the history. I am going to appreciate the match. I do want to see it. But yeah, I think the execution this week could have been a lot better. Fair enough. Uh, boo, excuse me. Blue Bolt Sports Observer and Politics says Bianca versus Jade. Who's better? Now we can't get into a long discussion about this. Are we Short talking about? Uh, I'm assuming Jade Cargill. Or are we talking about Jade uh, Cora Jade? No, I think it's going to be Jade. Like I'm Jade assuming. Cargill. I mean, it's it's a no contest. Like overall package is Bianca, but I mean, I and that's coming from one of the biggest Jade Cargill fans on the planet because I think she's a fucking superstar. But in ring ability, like it's laughable it's, to it's, even yeah, think it's, about. It's, it's character wise, I mean, Jade is an elite heel character, 
But I also think Bianca is one of the best baby faces we've had in the last 10, 15, 20 And it's years. harder. It's incredibly Especially a lot harder exactly. to be a baby face. And so, that's the thing. But Jade's money. Jade's money. By yeah, they're both they're both fucking superstars. But I mean, yeah. it's it's unfair to come because I think Bianca could be an all timer when it's done. Jade maybe too, but Bianca's already kind of there. Copeland versus Christian for their curtain call already. Oh, uh, no. like, could you imagine fucking current Christian feuding with? Oh my god, boner alert! Oh, everything Christian does, I just I fucking love him. He is such a fucking rock star. The thing he did with his daughter uh, on was it Collision? <laughs> oh my god, That's Jesus so Christ! <laughs> I just went like that guy. He's that just, guy he gets, gets it. it. Yeah, he, he just gets, gets it. Like gets if you're it. someone coming up in the company, I always say like if you want to be, he'll just watch the Miz. Christian's another guy to watch because it's just like I love like there was an old wrestling clips when they get posted on Twitter. There was an old one with Christian. I don't even remember the context, but it was just him being a dick fucking heel about something, and it was just like this is why I've always loved this guy. He's a fucking asshole, and he's so good at it. And it just I it's great. It's great. Uh, to follow up, Blue Belt said uh, I don't think Jay's coming back. That seems to be the rumor. However, uh, I think the WWE might just swoop her up. She'll be back. I think I she's just like- taking well-deserved time off and doing other things. Because, I, I mean, we knew and we saw Jade Cargill. She's a star in a lot of realms. But mm-hmm. she'll be back. And then he, he says Bianca shouldn't turn heel. I I, I want to see Bianca with an edge, not necessarily a heel turn. But I I tend to agree that it is hard It is hard to be a good It's not baby. time to do it yet. No, yeah. yeah. Um, anything else that's uh, very heat-worthy you want to talk about before we get hopeful? I mean, we have to talk about the lemons in the room, right? Oh yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. I just completely. I the so there's a new shirt. If you want to fucking nope, nope, buy for a shirt with a giant fucking lemon on it. This is Becky Lynch on your arm, but that's just like I mean, it's one of those things. I I said jokingly in the thread earlier in the night. I'm like, I will laugh my ass off if they don't get to main event after all this, and they're just putting Cody and Finn main events. And God damn it, it happened. We saw why they didn't main event though, because again. For like the 15th time in this feud, we get the ultimate cop-out where they're given some time to do their thing. You're thinking, oh, you know, maybe we might get something here. Nope. They start brawling the outside. Zoe Stark gets involved, and we're right back where we started in Nestlemania. What do we get? JC's two favorite words, steel cage. Oh, my God. This is just – this shit's fucking terrible. I don't give a fuck about it anymore. It still feels like to me what I've been saying all along. We're just fucking kicking the can down the road till fucking Lita comes back to save Becky from a beatdown, and we do a fucking Saudi match so Lita can get a big fucking Saudi Arabia paycheck. And I think that's still a couple months away. But it feels like since this feud started, it has just been kicking the can down the road week after week after week. Thank God this hunk of shit wasn't on the hunk of shit of SummerSlam because it would have been even longer and even worse. And it's just like they clearly like they're not ready to end this shit yet. So on Steel Cage, will it be definitive? Probably not, because you know what Zoe Stark can do in WrestleMania? She can either walk through the fucking door or climb the Steel Cage. You know there's going to be some shenanigans. I still think we get fucking your girl Lita back, and we're still doing this shit in Saudi, but by God, get it out of here, man. I give Betty Becky credit. She's kind of like Jericho, where no matter what you give her, she fucking does make lemonade. Like, she's going to fucking make money off a shirt of fucking lemons because she was bitter. So I give Becky all the credit in the world for that. That's a star. That's what stars do. But I just, I'm so sick of this nonsense. I, when I saw that it was a fucking count out and they started brawling or whatever, I just, I just started yelling, end it, fucking end it. Like, I was so angry. And then it, my anger turned to fucking hilarity. When fucking Zoe Stark comes out, clips her, and then 
Trish Stratus acting like a fucking doofus was like high five. And Zoe just like completely didn't even acknowledge it. This this right here is the equivalent of Trish Stratus being on the main roster for this last run. Like, huh? Huh? Nobody wants it. Nobody fucking wants it. And Steel Cage match isn't going to fucking save it. Becky Lynch can't save it. Zoe Stark can't save it. Lita, this is the other thing that drove me nuts. If in fact Lita comes back, didn't Lita come back to save Becky in a cage against damage control? Probably. Time? <laughs> That'd be great. Jesus no, I love it. Christ. Now I want that because your head will fucking explode. I I was so oh. fucking close to punching a wall. I my, I thought I was like, wait a minute, I'll break my wrist. And then Don't do the that. Fucking... my mom just did that. Shout out, mom. Yeah, hopefully she's feeling better. Uh, yeah. from Mama Canoe, we, we give you the uh speedy recovery. She had her surgery um, today, so okay, glad she's doing all right. So, um, when the high five thing happened, all my anger <laughs> left my body, and I was just like, Of course, fucking stupid, just everything's fucking stupid. And I think that's the problem. And again, I'm an island of one, but to me, Trish Stratus needs to be shipped off to fucking Canada. Please don't come back. You're See, tarnishing. honestly, her fucking goofiness has been the only saving grace of this feud. But it's because bad. she gives you little things. And Rain, I never want to see it. I know. But it's just, it's, and again, I'm not for it, but it's like, that's been the one saving grace my week to week. I'm, I haven't completely bailed out. But after this week, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's over. I'm out. I just wanted to yell, end it as loud as humanly yeah, possible. It was, painful, it's, man. it's bad. It's fucking bad. Anything else? I mean, I kind of alluded to it, but we didn't talk about it, but uh, Drew and Riddle as a tag team. The Glass Bros? Uh, well, it was funny that you were calling that. I was like, okay, it makes sense. But on Twitter, McIntyre's asking for fucking names. And all of them had to do with, like, weed puns. And I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. that's way more fun. But, yeah, this sure is just a, like, there's gotta be a, There's got to be a sword pun, right? I don't know. I think Mac like, and Bros. Mac and Bros is funny to me because it makes me I think, think Mac someone James, said but... the Mick Riddle, and I like that. <laughs> so, Mick Riddle, whoever said that, shout out. You copyright that shit because I'm all in on the Mick, Mick Riddle. Riddle. Oh my god, uh, Mick Riddle! Oh my god, that is that is outstanding. Now I want a McRib, but that's beside the point. Like, oh my god, Mick Riddle! Oh my god, but up 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 bro! Oh my god, that's great. There's so many things they can do with it. It's just oh my it's god. one of those things. It'll we'll probably in the like within the next few months we're gonna talk about how fun it is because as much as this program loves to shit on Drew McIntyre, especially you, usually me as well. McIntyre does kind of have some haha in him. He so does. with Riddle, it could be like a there, there's gonna be moments, but overall it just feels like man, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> exactly, right? Like but it just they, like with Riddle, it's like break glass in case of emergency, make Riddle a serious character's tag partner, and it's gonna work. So it again, it'll probably be kind of entertaining. It, I'm and sure we it will we're talking like, about yeah. the tag division needs help. So I just it's funny to me because we're just in this weird again, weird void of tag titles problem but all i could think about was please randy orton come back and destroy mcintyre that seems like an inevitable kind of thing but also like with endeavor being around like i can actually see mcriddle getting a fucking mcdonald sponsorship like i you, you know what i mean like you anything's possible with endeavor now like they they could do anything they could do literally anything and the golden arches with the fucking yellow and ronald mcdonald i mean i can see Fucking Riddle talking to Ronald McDonald. I can see fucking, you know, this fucking Drew McIntyre in the ball pit with this fucking sword being like, I need Drew McIntyre to eat burgers off his sword. Right. Or, you know, like stab the Hamburglar or something. You know what I mean? Like just there's so 
Grimace can have be the in Viking there. Raiders dressed up as the Hamburglers. Yeah, McIntyre and Riddle beat them up. We got yeah. our next fucking haha holiday match. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Brought to you by McDonald's. Exactly. At least if it's a sponsored element, I'll I'll, oh I'll allow it. Uh, but there you go. That was the best part of the program by far. Uh, anyway, we're gonna get hopeful. We're very long tonight. Let's do it. Hopeful, Glorious. Uh, you're my only hope. All right, here's my hope because I'm guessing you don't have one. Oh no, um, I do. Okay. So I thought about this very, very specifically when I was watching SmackDown. I thought to myself, okay, so Jay is now leaving the bloodline, although he already did. And then he's saying he's leaving WWE. And I thought about this an awful lot. And I haven't seen this happen. Let's see. I can't do math. So I'm going to say 20 plus years. So I think it's still relevant here where you can, you can dust off an old chestnut, right? Here's what I'd love to see. This is my hope. What if, just what if, they take the template of Crow Sting and apply it to Jay Uso. And what I mean by that is not letting Jay Uso wrestle for a long period of time here. You you want to have Uso versus Uso WrestleMania? Let's just drag this out a little bit. Let's have him in the crowd at the top of a the little bit. It's well, August, bro. <laughs> whatever. No, I know, but like. Make him the vigilante, yeah. but make him the vigilante. Make him show up when he's not supposed to. Make him cooler than you know when he was a couple months ago. Like have him sitting up top, just watching matches. People are trying to talk to him. He doesn't fucking say a thing. You know what he wants. He wants to be left alone. All that shit. Like make him a loner. Make him a physical loner, and make him different. You take that template of Sting from '96, '97. And I can guarantee you, you can catapult him back up to the top middle of the card and he'll be an absolute wonderful baby face because that's what he is. He's just easily likable, relatable, and especially where his family fucked him over, his brother fucked him over. It just, it, it aligns so parallel to what happened to Sting. When I was watching that, I just thought to myself, they are going to miss the boat if they don't do something with this vigilante kind of thing. That, that, that's my hope. Plain and simple. Hashtag Nestle knows. Hashtag Nestle hopes. Dreams come true. Maybe kind of sort of. That's what I got. Well, the commentary can be like, it's a fly Uso. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, mm. I don't I don't know. I just it needs something. My hope, Nestlemania. I'm going over to AW, which is Stain's new home. And I'm talking about all in at Wembley Stadium. We have a the fucking the woman's match is a cop on us, a random fatal four-way. We know it's Tony Storm. We know it's uh, Soraya. We know it's the champion of Karoshita. We know it's probably going to be Britt Baker over the bunny decided on Wednesday. Uh, we'll preview that in a bit, but it's one of those things. Tony Khan's usually good at this anyways, but I was thinking, I'm like, her AEW run, it doesn't deserve this. And her, like, it just, it, the character and the, the arch, it makes no sense. But like, this woman's division has been such a, mod, a mess. And I love Sheeta as champion, but it's like, I just kind of, my hope is that they just give Soraya her moment. Because I do think it will be a cool moment for her to win the title in front of her home crowd. She's obviously someone that when she came on the scene WWE, she won that title for AJ her first night. We're like, this is the next, like, she is the next one. She is the next woman. She is the next thing. And obviously millions of things have happened uh, since then. See it all the time with um, young stars in pretty much any industry. It's just like... We, they grow up in front of our eyes and things happen in their lives. And it just said, you know, it doesn't always whatever, but I think this could be the beginning of getting her back on track because look at 
that fucking generational type wrestler and character that we thought we saw way back when, that's probably still in there. And like I said, in AEW, her work has not fucking earned it at all. Her character has been shit. No, she's barely in any matches. The ones she had, nothing has stood out. The fucking outcasts are one of the worst things of 2023. It's fucking mm-hmm. super hot garbage. But you know what? It's one of those things like wrestling is about moments, right? And Soraya doing this there would be a cool moment. Um, Sheeta will be fine. They can do a one-on-one feud after. She kind of feels like a transitional champion anyways uh, to get the belt on Soraya. And I just it's one of those things I expected to happen just because of how Tony Khan that's just how he books, but it is my hope. It's one of those things. It's like, just do it, man. Even though like the story doesn't make sense. The lead up doesn't make sense. Her character doesn't deserve it, but I think you just got to do the moment because we've talked about this division kind of getting a reset. This match just feels like a hodgepodge. This to me would just be like capitalize on it. Then we move on from here. Let's see if Soraya can still do it. Let her cook his champ. So hashtag JC knows hashtag JC's hopes come true. I want Soraya to become the new AEW women's champion at all in at Wembley stadium in front of all her people, man. Let's do it. I'm fighting the urge to, to sing my jingle. <laughs> Nestle came up with a jingle. Now you have to sing it. Okay, so because we got all in and all out uh, simultaneously happening a week from each other, uh, my dad joke is uh, you put your wrestling all in, you put your wrestling all out, you put your wrestling all in, and you shake it all about because we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. There you go. Okay? I thought uh, it was Leave your thoughts about that in the comments. Uh, tweet at Nestle and tell him what you thought. Uh, cause that was certainly, it was a jingle. Uh, it was a jingle, but I, it's not that summer slam. Sorry. <laughs> All right. You don't have a good Royal rumble one. You don't have a, I don't remember one. my survivor series one, but I remember it being spooky. Uh, but should we go to the comeback? <laughs> yeah. Give our comeback. Stop calling a comeback. She's been here for years and she's finally made a raw debut and it was impressive. Indy Hartwell debuts in the rain on raw against the champion Rhea Ripley. It was kind of nice to see Rhea Ripley wrestle. Wasn't it? especially against someone she's never wrestled before. I'm a big fan of Indy Hartwell. She had one of the coolest moments of the year, winning the NXT Women's Championship uh, WrestleMania week in that ladder match. It was unexpected. It was impressive. But obviously, she had the devastating injury, and she's been out. Cool moment, her getting drafted, but she's been injured. So obviously, we have Rhea just kind of running, training all the women on Raw, beating them up. So Indy was someone she took out last week. I like that they actually gave it a match. And I'm just getting my comeback because I'm glad she's back in the mix. We've talked about this Raw raw Women's Division needing horses. I think Indy Hartwell is one of the most likable characters we've had in a while. And it's something that they can definitely capitalize with on Raw. So Indy Hartwell, you impressively are going to get my comeback this week. Impressive. Uh, my comeback is going to go to Mike the Miz Mizanin because I felt like he got he got his shit in last week with LA Knight. And of course, we talked yeah. about how, we always talked about how great that was. But when I watched this segment, Last night on Monday, all I could think about was this dude didn't need LA Knight to keep the thing going. He didn't even like you forget how good the Miz is sometimes. And when I watch that promo, I'm like, this motherfucker, like he 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 enticed me for watching next week with just one line. He says, I'm gonna beat someone bigger and better than LA Knight has. He's he's beaten tomato cans ever since he's been on SmackDown. And I just went like, he's fucking right. Who's he going to beat? Is he going to beat a Viking Raider? Is he going to beat fucking Omos? I don't know, but now everyone's beating the Viking Raiders. No, I know. But here's my thing. Like the like I next week, job of the year next week, the Miz had literally, I don't care what the Miz does. If he loses in two minutes, I have to watch the Miz match now because he's that fucking good. Like, that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this. Like this guy is making a throwaway match next week. Must see. 
And that, that is incredibly hard to do. He's just so fucking good at his job. So I, I just, I think it bears repeating because not many people really respect the Miz. And I know we're both Miz guys, so it's beside the point. But this dude is so good at what he does. Just so good. And people need to study this. They need to study him because it. nobody like him. Nobody like him on the fucking planet. I agree. You know me. I've been Miz guy since day one. That's my man. That's one of my OGs, one of my all-time greats. WrestleMania, big old finish. We're going rapid fire here. SmackDown, we have the Edge celebration in Toronto along with Edge versus Sheamus. You seem to think it is the end. I do not because I think he's been talked into at least going through WrestleMania. It is the end, friend. That's what you say. We shall see. Was there anything else booked for SmackDown this week? Oh, God, I don't think so. I'm sure okay. so we go to Raw. Grayson Waller effect with Ray, but I assume oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So. They did. They, they, uh, Grayson Waller teased that on Twitter. I'm looking forward to that. On Raw, we have the New Day taking on, uh, the McRiddles, <laughs> as well as the Intercontinental Championship match between the Ranger Gunther and Mr. Thank You Shoes, please, Chad Gable. I'm excited for that super hot fire. I still think we're going to get some schmozzy wazzy lemons in that match. I really hope they get a payback. I I don't know where payback lines up in terms of his uh, however many days left Gunther has, but it's got to be close. It's got to be fucking close. You get it, the thing is, is you got to you got to make him sweat it out the last 25 days or whatever it is. You got to make it like. That's why I like Gable as an opponent because I think it's believable that he'd be the guy to dethrone him, especially the way they booked it and how good Gable is. Like it's believable that Gunther might not break the record, even though we still think he does. That's why I think we're there's probably going to be like three times this match gets booked. But it just it I like that this is an opponent that it feels like doubt. It's not just like a random opponent. Yeah. So I, I'm very interested in that the the you have you have now the McRiddle thing. Just, I think I'm in on the McRiddle. I think now. I think if it's we not might McRiddle. be Mac guys now, Danny. I hope you're listening. Just because someone on Twitter I saw a comment on Drew McIntyre's thing. Well, the first comment I saw was McRiddle, and I fucking died. If if they don't call if he if Riddle doesn't call him Big Mac, I'm gonna fucking <laughs> like like just like he called somebody called him D. I think it was someone on the New Day, but like oh my god, like. I don't like hodgepodge tag teams, especially since we have hodgepodge champions, but. But Riddle makes everything work, man. And like I said, Drew McIntyre's like awkward humor, I think is going to work with it. You're probably right. I, I just, think we both talked ourselves into them. I think, I think we're going to be, I think, closet, we I think we're going to be closet fans now. This is ridiculous. I did not expect this at all. I think we're out of the closet, buddy. I think we're uh, here for everyone to see, oh, uh, but we're going to AW now on dynamite. They have stuff booked. Uh, Britt Baker versus the bunny. Uh, it seems like Britt Baker is going cares. to all in this match. I mean, I could, the, I don't even know who's on the other tag team. We have Darby Allen and the 18 year old taking on the gates of agony. It's going to be agony to watch this match. That's what I'm fucking saying. Moving I on. Disagree. Next up, uh, the hottest man in wrestling, Orange Cassidy, defends international championship against the fucking most boring guy in wrestling against his former protege, Wheeler Yuta. Oh my God. That guy is just like, I can't, I can't even tell you. I mean, technically in the ring, fantastic, but just, he's okay. He is, he is as usual. He's a good as a, wrestler, but he's like a generically good wrestler. He's, like, he's a wet paper up. towel. He's, he's not absorbent. He's just used. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he is. He's used. I don't give a shit. When I watch him, I go, this guy's like a fucking hairy ass ball sack. That's what he is. I don't give a shit. That's all. Well, you know what's crazy, Nestlemania? As much as we just shit on all that stuff, there's something far worse booked for Wednesday. Oh, Jesus. There is a Jeff Jarrett versus oh, Jeff oh. Hardy death match. Texas Chainsaw death match 
on a night on a week they're referring as fight of the fallen to honor fallen soldiers they are having a death match with two people i'm just not really interested in watching wrestle anymore what did i what did i say in the jobber knocker thread when uh, i don't remember but it was i, I just... said can we already put this in the worst match of the year category please please i can't believe this is a thing like well they there's, there's a texas death match sorry a texas chainsaw video game coming out and yes. synergy they're doing yeah. it with them, it's which again, I, I applaud sponsorship. You got to fucking, you get it. You get as bad as it is. You got to do it. But when I saw this, I went, this is right up my fucking alley. Like this is going to be so bad. It's going to be good in a weird Matt Hardy deletion kind of way. I think if it's booked like a fucking cinematic match, I think this might be okay. Or to a point where it's just so bad. I'm going to, I'm going to come on this program and I guarantee you, it's going to be in my shine next week. So I think the problem is a cinematic match. I'd be all for, but when I hear the word death match, I'm usually, I just don't enjoy those matches because it's just going to be unnecessary gore. All right. Which again, that's what that movie is. But it's just like, if they set this up like a fucking Hardy compound and they did it all like Jeff Jarrett, as much as I shit on that motherfucker, he would thrive in those situations. I just, I just have a feeling it's going to be in the ring. They're going to have thumbtacks and, blood and john box is gonna be so mad he's probably gonna do a run in just so he can cut himself and be like look guys i can bleed too fucking very quick quick don't even think about it what's worse cage match death match go cage match oh wow i did not expect the only reason is because i see way more of those death matches at least are rare because i know they happen way more in the indies but like in terms of like aw has done them a lot but they don't like kill, kill us over the head with them uh, pun intended. Steel cage matches. I I literally feel like I'm beaten over the skull with them constantly, and they're just boring. At least with like a death match, there are ways you can do a death match. Where I'd be like, that was cool. I just the unnecessary blading and people jumping on nails. Like, the fuck are you doing? Like, I just why why, why are you mutilating yourself? Like, come on, like, let's have some self respect. But whatever. I understand is that they, there's a whole audience that loves that. Good for you. I am not part of that audience. But I saved the best for last because this is the only thing that Dynamite I actually care about. And I really want to see. We have the Young Bucks taking on the guns, baby. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the nonsense that's going to happen. I love the guns promo on Collision with the Bang Bang game. We're like, oh, you thought the guns were only on Saturdays? Now we're working Wednesdays. We're going to kick the Young Bucks out. Just like best brother tag team shit. Like, this is going to be fun. I love the guns. I enjoy the Bucks. So. I'll look forward to this. I got something to watch on Wednesday. I, I that's about it. That is about yeah, I, it. We uh, shit on everything else. else. Anything else in collision? Uh, oh yeah, I'll get to collision. But there's also this MJF Cole stuff. There's also Jericho gives his answer to Callus. So I would expect my boy Will Osprey to show up, and we get the the human match to thumb done. Callus, yeah, the human thumb. But on collision WrestleMania, we have Willow and Diamante. Okay. Uh, but we also have Christian versus Darby Allen, which I don't believe is for the title. I think if Darby Allen wins, he gets to face Luchasaurus for the title at all out. Yes. The second pay-per-view. Yes. So there are some stakes here. And I mean, if you haven't seen fucking the Christian segments every week on collision, it's just like, they are just elite TV. It's just elite TV Saturdays and Tuesdays are the two best nights of wrestling. Mondays is catching up in the third Wednesdays and Fridays are for the fucking birds, baby. That's anything else. My collision? No, that's, that's good. Those that's are the only two good. things I saw. I'm sure okay. there'll be more added. I'm sure CM Punk will run his mouth more because uh, you know We're talking about Hangman and the. He already apparently apologized to him already, but then apparently he also yelled at Jungle Boy and he also sent people home because he has that kind of power. And Tony Khan's still sucking his cock. It's just it's 
I mean, I CM Punk I, is going to be able to do whatever he wants because he isn't Ron in the fact that he is. He does make them a lot more money. No, but there's even a, if you're, is it a grown up way to go about it? Oh, 100. He's not. A, he, CM Punk has proven his entire career he's not a grown up though. So shame on anyone if they expect anything fucking more from him. He has told us for the last 20 fucking years we have known him who he is. Who he is. He does some amazingly great charity things. He does some amazingly great supportive things. Some like uh, activist things that are fucking should be commended. But he also has always been a fucking snake in the grass, slimy, annoying fucking asshole too. So it's just, it's, he's, he's a two-faced guy. There's, there's an awesome side and there's a bad side. To think that he ever is going to be something different, that's on you guys. And that's why for me, like I've accepted Punk for what he was. I enjoy what he brings to the table for the most part. I don't really enjoy watching him wrestle, but I am glad that he's on a in AW because I think there are things he can give to the wrestling world. So, all right. Well, on that note, I think we're all wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah, baby. All right. That's been a long one. So we appreciate you listening and seeing us here in the living color. Uh, see what it did there with the CM Punk. Anyway, on that note, we'll be back next week with more. Jabbernackery.